0: requires high-speed internet connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply.
1: Hey, on today's episode, we're talking about the trade deadline, wrapping that up, uh, and then we'll get into some of the games that have happened and uh, the players who have played or, or not played. Son
0: of Slovenia, cool
1: as hell. He scores the ball and he rebounds well. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The Mavs are ass, but did you see no Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future, the future is Luca. Welcome to seventy-seven minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Tim Cato, I write about the Mavericks, talk about the Mavericks. Do do Maverick related things, I would say. Is that is that fair?
0: Things like, of that nature. Things
1: things that, yeah, yeah, ma- Maverick, Maverick uh, basketball and things of that nature. Yeah, that's that's how that goes. We got Mike Pellucci. It's just us two today. We're riding uh, pretty pretty light, fairly uh,
0: lean and mean. We have not been traded at the NBA trade deadline, so that's, that's good. I
1: like that. To, to our knowledge, it could be a player to be named later situation. Writer that to would be happen named to
0: later. me. Yeah, editor to be named later. <laughs> that, that would happen to me, I, I feel. It's
1: because you watch too much baseball. It's it's purely your own fault.
0: Yeah, yeah. Win some, lose some.
1: Yeah. Well, we are uh, moving out to up to the major leagues, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh things that have not been traded, um things that have been traded. JJ Reddick, he was traded. We haven't uh you know talked since the deadline. It was fairly quiet, but you know I think I think Redick was a, a interesting move. It's interesting seeing the the kind of fallout that clearly he was probably, let's let's say, I think probably the best way to say it is he was working under an assumption he was going to get a pot out and go to Brooklyn. So when that assumption gets broken or shattered, um, yeah, it's it's a bummer. So, you know, I think I think it's pretty clear that he's going to report probably sooner than later that, that you know, the heel the injury that he has is not fake or made up. But, you know, I, I do think that, you know, he hasn't reported to the team if if he was you know, maybe in a different circumstance, he would have already been with them, but he was working under an assumption he was going to get bought out and that didn't happen. But but he's going to play games for the Mavericks this year, uh, probably sooner than later. I'm not I'm not worried about that at all.
0: I think overall, you know, before we, we even go into that, we probably should talk about the deal itself. Pretty solid piece of business for what the Mavericks were able to do. Right. You you package out James Johnson, who was fundamentally out of the rotation, Wasa who really at this point the concerns were about what he, about what he represented versus what he did, which is one some form of guaranteed money, albeit on the on the minimum next year, but you don't want to have that kind of money on your books for what this team is using mass which is sort of an end of bench guy. Sure. Two, as an impediment to Josh Green, who essentially does the same things at this respective stage in the career. And obviously there's a lot more resources invested in Josh. You get him off the books and you trade a second rounder. That's going to probably be middle of the round. Um, they can probably buy another one if they want. And you get JJ Reddick who could help you right now. You get Niccolo Melli who may be able to help you. If he does, that's just icing on the cake. But paying a two to get a shooter who can help when this team needs shooting beyond Tim Hardaway Jr. and getting Wundu's money off the books. that's That's a solid piece of business right there.
1: Hey Mike, you're my editor. Would you greenlight a piece where I took Melly to Jimmy's Food Mart?
0: Only if I get to go as mm. and only if I get to go and as a passionate fan of uh, Inter Milan, I get to talk Italian soccer with Nicola Melly. While how do you even know he James likes James. Italian soccer? What he's if he's from, a, Itali- he's from Italy? What if he's a Milan fan? He's from Italian. <laughs> he's from Italy. I would think he has at least a passing interest in calcio
1: i bet he's i bet he's an ac milan fan and and you guys will hate each other from the from the very start from the jump
0: as long as it's not juventus we can work with that um he is from no i did look up the province he's from and uh you know they they do have a club there that's in Serie b called reggiana which used to be a pretty solid little team has fallen on some financial difficulties if he's a hometown boy you know and that's who he supports i respect that um but yeah i will let's go jimmy's let's do it
1: Jimmy is also known as the best. And as far as I'm concerned, similar to how we're the only Mavericks podcast, they're the only Italian grocer in the DFW area. It's they a shame there be. aren't more. It's <laughs> a shame <laughs> there aren't more. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, I thought it, I thought it was good business. Uh, I think Melly could be decent. You know, he, his rookie season was all right. And I, I mean, he was he was fine. Obviously, he he brought energy and, and had some good plays against uh, uh, Oklahoma City on Monday. Um He was not good this season for New Orleans overall, but, you know, if he could make even 33, 34 percent of his shots again, uh, this is, you know, this is not a rookie who we're trying to, you know, debate the merits of his basketball prowess. He's a proven player in European competitions, and you would think that even though clearly his athleticism, you know, the athleticism takes a step up in the NBA, uh, his isn't a lead or anything, you would think that, especially given his size, that those skills would still translate um, I don't. I don't think it's a lost cause. You know, this is not going to be a, a postseason playoff rotation candidate in all likelihood. Um, you know, I think that's probably the best case scenario. Is that maybe maybe he's getting ten minutes in in a in a first round series when you you need just a different look. Uh, that's an absolute best case scenario. There's many more scenarios where he just doesn't play at all the rest of the year. But but he'll get he'll get a few more games, especially uh, after that promising debut. As for Reddick, I I just think it's you know said you know I guess we could circle back to the idea of him not wanting to be here or or wanting to be here. I think if if you if you think logically about that, he knows how the business of the NBA works. I assume he's been traded before. Um, My guess is he's his whatever upset or uh, the upset nature that he had about this deal is directed at a. Spoken or unspoken understanding he had with the Pelicans um, and with David Griffin in that front office—that's that, what I would assume. So uh, you know, like that, that logically, that's that's what a veteran might be upset about. It was just thinking something was going to go a certain way, and the indications being, you know, going in that direction, and, and then you know, having to kind of mentally reorientate himself uh, for a for a new future, a new team, a new reality. Um but as far as what he's going to do on the court I'm I'm pretty optimistic that, that he's going to be good and and just adding one more elite shooter to this team is it certainly can't hurt them.
0: Yeah, I it's it's a pretty no-brainer transaction. I think we know what JJ Reddick does. You know, he is great at shooting in most situations. He's especially great shooting as you pointed out in one of your two excellent pieces post trade deadline last week uh when he's wide open. Luka Doncic creates wide open looks for people. Shouldn't be too hard for this to be useful. Now, this isn't the guy who was, you know, he's 36 years old. And that heel injury, he had an operation earlier in March. So this is a real injury. And so a 36-year-old coming off of a lower body injury, joining a new team, don't get the expectations to the roof here, right? This is not your Seth Curry replacement. This is a guy who could probably come in and he'll have some games where he's really useful. He'll have some games where he's probably not on the floor a lot. But just the sheer aspect of His range, his stroke still being there. He's gotten better shooting as the season has gone along. Now, does that take a step back after a little bit of hiatus? I don't know, but you know he's been trending the right direction with the shot. Again, for a mid-round second, you know a mid-second round pick, you're you're gonna like that, right? If you're power ranking the the outcomes that you like out of this deal, it's probably JJ at one, getting off of Wondis money at two, and then. Niccolo Meli at three, and if Meli gives you anything, then like I said before, that's the cherry on Sunday. That's then if all three of those things happen, then you have really, you know, outperformed what this deal should be.
1: Yeah, and even that Meli just has a chance to be a, a a player that could add something. I think in a in a different way and in a more useful way than James Johnson. Um, even a chance at as useful. I mean, how many times do we talk about how this team is not as deep as we thought it yeah, was, right? Them. Like the like this, this this gives you one more, and and maybe even a second, you know. And and again, we're really stretching it with Melly. We don't know what he's, you know. We we know he was very bad this season. Um, and and assuming anything from him is is probably a, a fool's errand. But you know, there's there's some talent there. He's a proven veteran. You know, I, I think this is a different case. Than uh than like a Wes Wundu hoping this is the year he kind of breaks in onto the scene. You know, it's it's a much different type of uh player that we're looking at and, and just the potential of what he could bring. So just making the team deeper, I think that's good. I think that's good. And and for to do it at the price of of really just a second round pick, while also having a very, very small but but useful cap room mechanism that, that you get with the with one do deal. I, I think that's all pretty good business from the Mavericks.
0: Yeah, and it's it's the small drop in the bucket for me of what I think was a very successful trade deadline for this team, right? It, and I mean that in that this is obviously the only transaction they made, but we've talked about this before. Everything that's happening this year, it's really a prelude to what happens this offseason. This offseason dictates so much. And if you, what is the ideal realistic scenario for Dallas on deadline day, it wasn't going to be making some big move. That was never going to happen. It's make an incremental upgrade, and then you hope that your free agency plans don't get blown up. And in a world in which maybe two of their very best options are restricted free agents in Lonzo Ball and John Collins, that means you don't want them to get dealt. Because if they get dealt on deadline day, it's to a team that is pretty confident they're going to either give them you know, a a huge deal outright or match anything that gets thrown at him. Well, John Collins stays in Atlanta. Lonzo Ball stays in New Orleans. That works out for Dallas. I would even go so far as to say a third name that we haven't talked about much, at least since I've been on the pod, but I think could make a lot of sense for them on the unrestricted market is Norm Powell, who will presumably decline his player option and elect to go to free agency. Norm Powell gets traded to Portland. I cannot see Portland splurging on Norm Powell, a 6'3 guard who is a great scorer when they have a lot of money tied up in Dame Lillard and C.J. McCollum. That's another game. Presume another player who presumably will be on the open market and likely to relocate. So Dallas gets an upgrade now, but more than that, nothing that happened last week takes away from potential options in the offseason. And that's so huge because this market has gotten diminished. What we thought this market would look like 12, 18 months ago, that's not going to materialize. So the Mavericks need every single Avenue on the table that they can get, because you know it may only they only have the cap room to probably do one large thing. So you might as well have as many paths towards doing that large thing as possible. When a lot of teams have cap room, and there's just not going to be the hall to spend it on that we thought there'd be.
1: So this free agency thing is something I feel like we've talked about on in bits and pieces on every previous episode. Certainly last week I was you know solo with with Jake Kemp, and and it was something we talked about in circles and circles. Here's one slightly different way that I don't think we've approached it and I'll, I'll toss this back to you mike are you confident do you feel confident that with all the options with with the available players with the you know now the understanding of the salary cap that is going to be available um with the short and long-term future of this team weigh all those factors and tell me that let's say free agency starts I, it's probably going to be a little bit later so let's say it starts august 1st on august 15th Are you going to be a happy, you know, fan of this team, analyst of this team, any of that stuff?
0: Insofar as they got exactly who I want or that they got something big with that money?
1: Uh, I mean, either really at this point. Um, I I think that – I don't think the first can happen without the second. Well, yeah. I mean, it's – I think they're both – I think getting anyone is is important. Yeah, yeah. Do you do you feel confident that that you're going to look back on their their free agency and be like, at least I understand what they did and I feel good about the the decision making that was used to bring them to this point?
0: Yeah, I think more or less I do because this team, you know, we they have hit the upper secondary level of the market consistently right? They haven't gotten some big free agent star name, but guess what? There's nothing out there for them to get this year that's realistic, but they have gotten Chandler Parsons and they have gotten Monte Ellis and they have gotten Harrison Barnes and they did get DeAndre Jordan the second time on the one-year deal. They have proven that they can get somebody who's not a superstar to take their money. So when we're talking about names like Norm Powell and John Collins and Lonzo Ball, yeah, I bet they can get somebody in that ilk to take their cash. I think that is a feasible and reasonable expectation of this team. And I think that they will be able to do it, right? You know, look, Donnie Nelson was talking about how it is easier to recruit now and it's night and day with Luka Doncic versus what it was eight, nine years ago. Theoretically, that's true. Uh, We won't know until we see it, but, you know, if you want to take them at their word, I mean, if you were able to get guys to take your money when the future was not that bright and now you have the best young star in the NBA and a potential second star and stable infrastructure in your organization and money... You know, does that mean Kawhi Leonard is coming to Dallas? No. But does that mean that John Collins, for instance, as a guy who wants to get paid, will take their money and say, yeah, this is a pretty good situation? Yeah, I I buy that. So I think they will have spent their money on some relative big ticket item. I don't know who it is. I think it'd be foolish to sit here and expect that in, you know, late March that we can guarantee that we are excited about the exact name they chose. But I think somebody will take that cash. I have a hard time believing they will strike out entirely.
1: I think that's a reassuring answer. I, I asked the question and I, I laid it out without a clear answer on my end, to be clear. I wasn't trying to lead you to a to a pessimist viewpoint or anything like that. I I think that's fair. I think it's fair to say that they will probably sign someone this summer, a good player, and maybe it's not the player I would I would want them to target if I was in charge of the front office. Yeah, I don't think that's the but, expectation. I don't think I mean, it'd be
0: fair to pick the sure. right guy, but something. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I think I think that's right. I think I think you're right about that. And I think that getting a player, a young, talented player who signed for for multiple years, just uh, we've said this before, it just gives you options. It gives you options going forwards. um, And that's important. And I think that's a thing. You know, you've you've talked me into it, though. I I do think I I don't think it's impossible that they come away from this free agency. Mostly saying that they're going to try, but but I do think the mo- most likely scenario is they go get someone. The only thing that makes me a little bit nervous is just that everybody who seems appealing, uh, is a restricted free agent. Um, restricted for agency is weird, yeah. So you could always just run into a you know the the team, Atlanta or New Orleans or Portland, just saying, Screw it, we're gonna match, uh, for this reason or that reason, or or you know, influences outside our control, it just makes more sense to match this money if you know. They're slightly drawn out processes, not nearly what they used to be, I think, a decade ago when they're like a week long. But, you know, there's still three days of free agency. You kind of got to sit and wait on that offer sheet unless the team is being very generous and lets you know sooner how they're feeling about that. So that makes me a little bit nervous. Um, and I still don't think that the steps leading up to the summer were executed perfectly. Um, but they but probably I think haven't I've been. been.
0: But, yeah, I mean, but at yeah. the same time, like, you know, you and Jake talked about it really well last week, right? We could sit here and say, oh, they should have gone for Christian Wood or they should have done this or should have done that. But what did they miss on that's a real huge catastrophe ceiling raiser, right? You know, even the Porzingis that's deal, fair. you know, I mean, we, we got a long way to go before we, re- we decide what Porzingis ultimately is. But at the end of the day, I already feel confident enough right now, knowing what we know. No matter what happens over the next two years, guess what? You still should have made that deal because Dennis Smith Jr. didn't turn into anything. If you want Dennis Smith Jr. back, you can have him because he's going to be an unrestricted free agent this summer. Uh, Those picks, (laughs) this year's pick is going to be in the 20s. The pick two years from now probably should be the same thing barring a Luka Doncic catastrophic injury. So knowing what you know at the time and knowing how the limited inventory of guys who could potentially be stars... You still trade that all day for Christoph Porzingis, even if Kristaps doesn't become what you want him to be. So they've, yeah, they haven't been perfect. They're never perfect. But I think by and large, everything they've done, I mostly get it. And I wouldn't have said that five, six years ago. And, you know, you brought up the, the perils of restricted free agency. And you're not wrong, but you're also assuming that that's who they want, right? We sit here. I mean, we've seen credible reports linking to John Collins. So I feel like that is somebody they're interested in. But Alonzo Ball thing, that's just talk that we think makes sense. We don't know if they like him. For all we know, and this front office has often been very good about keeping a lid on things until the end. For all we know, they're sitting there saying, yeah, Norm Powell's our dude. And we're going out there in unrestricted free agency, minute one, and giving him a big offer sheet. I mean, it's not even an offer sheet, right? That's for a restricted agent, free agent. So we're giving him a big contract offer. It could be something that is on the unrestricted market that we're not seeing. It could be, yeah, we'll take on somebody's money. I don't think it's going to be that in terms of a trade, but this team's good with trades historically. So they've just got enough outs. And this is what I mean about being a deadline winner. No options were taken off the table on Thursday for them. And that's big because there are only so many. But now at least everything we thought that could feasibly be out there, whether we see it or whether we don't, that's all still out there.
1: That is a great optimist view of uh, the free agency to come, of, of just kind of the perspective on, on the Mavericks just in general. So I appreciate that. They should bring back Dennis Smith. Pro-Dennis, De- pro always. I'm, so. I'm pro-Dennis. Bring know back and
0: in. Dennis is fun, and I'm pro-fun.
1: Discovered the latest collections from David Yurman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yurman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yurman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor
0: Requires high-speed internet connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on Direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply.
1: Mike, why haven't Luca and Chris Dubs been playing?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm going to preface this with this may seem like a cop out answer, right? Um, okay. I think wh- it is wh- you know, look, it goes without saying that NBA teams know way more about things than we do. We have a sliver of the information that they have on the proprietary level inside organizations. I don't even know what the things that they have are. I just know they've got a lot of them that we don't. Now, saying that, I think when it comes to analyzing on performance, I feel reasonably confident that even though we have limited tools at our disposal, we have enough to make really good judgments about what's going on, right? We're smart people. We have some sense of basketball. There are really good analytics tools on the open market. You can assess performance. You can look at things. And, you know, Rick Carlisle's is going to know stuff that we don't. I mean, he's an NBA championship caliber coach, and this is what he's paid to do, and we're not. But we can at least create informed questions and informed opinions of analysis and say, that doesn't make sense to me, and here's why. And it holds some water. When it comes to injury things, we know nothing. I mean, we have no idea what is really happening behind the scenes. So when I look at situations like what we've had the last three games, well, really the two before Oklahoma City, because, you know, Don and has played, you could talk me into so many things. And I, I okay, the, the, the explanation could be a million things that we don't know. For me, it's less questioning why they're not playing, because, you know, and it's more sort of a, a taking it on faith, right? Okay, if, if you don't want them to play, if you think this is the best course of action right now, that's fine. But this team is not heading towards a top two seed in the West. This team is a lot closer to the play-in tournament than they are out of the play-in tournament right now. They are in the play-in tournament seeds right now. So if you think you can realistically bench Luka Doncic for two games, including one when you don't play Kristaps Porzingis either, and you are saying, "Yeah, it's going to be fine. We will win enough games to not be in the playoff tournament or play-in tournament," then okay, that's what that is essentially the the show of faith that the organization is asking for people watching. Yes, we are not playing them for load management reasons or rest reasons. And whether it's due to something that they urgently need or whether it's precautionary, and I think this is probably falls in the precautionary bucket to a point, that's all well and good, but you got to get it done at the end of the year. If they are going back and they are in the seven spot and they lose a play-in tournament game and they were one game behind the sixth seed because they decided to not play Luka Doncic in a couple of games when they play him for one, they probably win... Well, then you invite yourself open to second-guessing when that happens. So they know the deal. They know the score. But for me, it's less about why aren't they playing and more just making a mental note. Like, okay, all right, let's see what happens in two months. And if in two months this all works out, then we don't even have to bring this up again. But if they fall a little short of where they should be, and you can go back and point to a few games in the calendar when they could have pulled it off by playing Luka Doncic or playing Kristaps Porzingis, you probably are opening yourself up to another conversation about how this was handled.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm as pro. We don't know what's going on with the medical side, and players should be load managed as much as possible. I'm very pro that argument. Even me, kind of seeing Luca not play in either game. Um, the second one was weird. Apparently, he was actually sick, or or it seems that way. Um, you know, I, I think that the the code word for his load management has been back tightness this year, and it wasn't back tightness. Guess the, the password. Year. Yeah, yeah, that seems like the password. I mean, it, and it's it's historic to the organization. It's not like we're even, you know, making some ridiculous claim here. I mean, John Rondo had back tightness, you know, back in 2015 when he was kicked off the team, and, and it is very well known that he, you know, had his playoff shares voted away from him by by the, those around him who were like you quit on the team. So, so yeah, this is this is not some. You know, magic code that we're just revealing to the world. It's very well known what what they're saying when they say back tightness. And you know, I'm sure Luca does have some back tightness. Uh, a lot of players like that. You know, they they took a a real issue, albeit one that he could play through, and said, "All right, for this reason, we're going to say that you're out." um So load management, whatever, whatever. Even this with Luca is is pushing me and making me think. He really can't play just like, you know, at least one back to back is not like back to backs didn't exist. So I, I generally fall in line with the argument that you were making about all this. I, I do think that generally we should be very cautious when we jump to medical judgment or conclusions uh, based off not operating with the the facts. And you know, I'm the guy who wrote a 2,000 word story about uh, about Kristaps earlier this year and the behind the scenes that goes into making sure that he's ready to play and managing his load, uh, managing his minutes, all that stuff. That stuff's important; it, it matters. And, and I do think that that injury reduction, as much as can happen at the NBA level. Is is crucial and and much more involved in a lot of the decision making that happens in the NBA at this level. That said, eventually Luka will have to play in back to backs. I mean, maybe you think you can get away with the first one, the first two after the All Star break, the first three. He's gonna have to play back to backs at some point. I, I would. I mean, I would. I would just assume that's the case. They can't just punt every second night of a back to back the rest of the season. Or maybe they can. Maybe they can. They have the easiest schedule in the league the, the, the rest of the way out. But, but, yeah, but I, that's I do the thing, agree. though. I mean, they, they yeah. have this
0: easy schedule, but then, you know, they're, the, the games are easy until they're not. And when you don't right. have Luka Doncic on this team, we've talked about the drop from Luka even to Porzingis, much less Porzingis to everybody else. So you can't count on them winning games without you, right? Porzingis played very well in the game that Doncic wasn't there, and they didn't win the game. So.
1: Right. Yeah, and they had a good team performance the the game after, and they lost as well. So, yeah, you're right. I think it's it's all a you know they're they're setting themselves up for a referendum at the end of the season. If the seating isn't where it should be, it needs to be. If there's any danger at all, if they get a bad playoff matchup, honestly, they're setting themselves up for a referendum on that. Even even for a bad seating matchup, which I don't think is fair. I think right now that wouldn't be fair. It's impossible to say where the top six is going to kind of fall out, and you know a team like the Lakers in a shortened season, missing their best two players now, if they fall down to fourth, and the Mavericks are fifth, or they fall to third, and the Mavericks are sixth, it's not like they, the Mavericks could have predicted that. And and if they right, likely yeah. lose in the first round against the Lakers, as as I think they would against a you know healthy Lakers team and in, in such a matchup, you know that's not their fault. I, I don't. No, I, don't. I,
0: I think I think once you get past the play in seeds, then you know. Whatever happens, happens because that's the expectation. Sure. But anyways. what
1: I'm saying, what I'm saying is that by resting players, they've they're setting themselves up for people talking about it no matter what.
0: Probably, yeah. I, I I happen to agree with you that I don't think it should be talked about much if they get past the play in seeds, is what I'm saying. Like, you know, sure. If if they're sure. the sixth seed and they have a bad matchup against the three, okay. You know, you're not gonna go back to the rest for that. But it's when you get to that play in you know round and a very tiny sample could disrupt a whole season's worth of work. And if it was within a margin of a game or two, then yes, anything and everything will be thrown out them for that. And they know they're not dumb. So it's, you know, again, trust them to walk the tightrope. That's all anybody on the outside can do. Okay, you want to play it that way. Let's see how it goes.
1: Well, just I'm going to tell you right now, Mike, um, if you ever asked me to podcast on a back-to-back days, I'm sitting the second one out.
0: All there, you. Is no lane, there is no load management here at The Athletic. I'm sorry.
1: There's no load management? There, there, is, no. there, is, not. there is not. I don't know how I feel about this. I, uh, no 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 more back-to-backs for me i'm i'm out you want to talk about josh richardson at all i i i wrote about him today it's tuesday recording this on tuesday I, I don't really have that much to say he's just a you know it just feels like he should be better that's that's the gist of it and it feels like he's underperforming in a lot of ways that is odd to me do you have any any thoughts to add based you know based off anything that isn't that wasn't in an article i wrote
0: can you imagine if somebody told you you know at the start of the 2019 season that if there was a debate on who to give your money to between Tim Hardaway jr or Josh Richardson it would be Tim Hardaway jr in a landslide right now I can't even imagine right. my brain computing that but that is absolutely where things are um you know we we've I don't think we have to talk too much more about the the floor razor versus ceiling razor things we've done that a lot lately and we've written about it here but it does bear mentioning that you know he's been there's nothing about him. You you said it in today's piece, right? It's not that he's doing something awful defensively. He's just not doing enough to overcome everything else. And when this team needs players, I mean, really, what you want to boil down boil this down to is, in a lot of ways, it's not just overall ceiling raisers. There's people with elite skills. Seth Curry. I don't know if Seth Curry is a full on ceiling raiser, but Seth Curry had an elite skill, and on the right night, that skill could really help you. Josh is supposed to be doing everything at a B plus, A minus level. And that's just not happening right now. And even if it were, it's just not enough to really, you know, his defensive impact is not enough to raise the tide for all the other boats on this roster. And so it's hard. I mean, something's got to pick up, not even all of the things, because Josh Richardson is supposedly a very well-rounded player. But if there's any chance of him sticking around here after the year, one or two of these things have to get going. If he is... His playmaking improves and he gets to the rim, but the three-point shot doesn't fall, and the defense is whatever. At least you can, you know, sort of talk yourself into that profile maybe being useful in the off-season, or if it's the classic three-and-D archetype. But right now, when you're just fine at a bunch of stuff, this team doesn't need that. That's that that can work as a fifth starter, maybe other teams, but this team needs something to create an impact. Josh Richardson isn't doing that right
1: now. Yeah, this season has been so segmented. I, I wasn't actually entirely sure what I was going to find when I went and looked up the defense. I, I know from the eye test and, and you know, just kind of keeping track with the statistical trends that the defense wasn't great. Um, I knew that they weren't going to be good exactly. I was surprised to see if they were as bad as they were. and And, you know, that's. From an overall season perspective, that's from, you know, that February 2nd date that we've kind of uh, used as a sample size because that's when the team was finally fully healthy again. um it was was after their Phoenix losses. If you just kind of track it since the ice storm or if you just track it in games that Luca and KP have played in, they're just bad. They're a bad defensive team. They're not better. And they made a trade that was supposed to make them a little bit worse offensively. The trade succeeded at that. And I was supposed to make them a little bit better defensively, and it has not done that. So ultimately, I think that's where the, the, the Richardson stuff is, is gonna hinge or fail on. Um, the offense is, is humming again for the most part. It's pretty good. You know, it's a, it's, it's got Luka in charge. Uh, and any offense with that is, is gonna be a good offense. And, uh, Richardson has shown some signs of life there, and, and maybe, maybe he can do that more consistently close out the year. I think that's everybody's hope, but the fact that the defense is just, Just bad, just still bad. It's, it's not better. They dropped like, you know, they, they gave up like 60, what, 65 points to, to Oklahoma City at the break or something like that. Uh, maybe it wasn't that much, but, but it it did feel like it was, uh, it was very easy for a a team, a, literally a G League team to, to score on them that first half. Um, I don't know, I don't know what the fix is there, but clearly Richardson's impact there is, is not what, uh, what I think anybody would have hoped. Kent our producer mostly mostly a silent man uh behind the scenes keeping things on track the operations yeah but uh we're we're going to do a a Carlyle quote of the week segment um fairly consistently i can't promise every week you never know what happens but i, I think i think we want we had one we wanted to toss into the mix here,
0: uh, so, uh, Rick and Zion. What what have you seen from
1: him this season? Kind of as a, a ball handler, a, a primary facilitator. And what kind of
0: challenges does that present for a defense? He is just creating collisions out there. And this is a, a Shaquille O'Neal type force of nature with uh, you know com- with a with a point guard skill set. And if you back off of him, you know he'll just take up space and keep coming at you. And, uh, and, you know, you look at his three-point numbers, he's actually, I think, two for two in his last five games headed into this game tonight. So whenever he gets that going, and it's only a matter of time, you know, he'll be even more difficult to deal with. Uh, it's a real challenge. You know, you gotta, you got to have a lot of courage to stand in there and get run over by that guy because he's coming at you fast. He's coming at you like a, you know, it's like it's not just the Amtrak. It's the Accela. It's the fast one that doesn't stop. You know, doesn't stop in, you know, Westport or wherever. It, is. it just goes phew, straight to New York City, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's something else. Tim Cato.
1: Hey Rick, uh, did you sense fatigue?
0: So uh, you were you were taking that question in there, huh? There's a there's a couple little seconds delays. You were processing Rick's transportation metaphor.
1: That's that's impressive East Coast train corridor knowledge from from Rick. I've taken the Acela. It it does not stop. I took. I think I I, th- I can't remember if I was going Brooklyn to DC or vice versa. I think it was Brooklyn to DC. It was a, it was a work trip. I was I was going from a from a Mavs at Nets to Mavs at Wizards game, and I was like, this is probably cheaper and easier and more convenient, more comfortable. It was all those things. As we were darting through the East Coast countryside i didn't really compare our progress to his ion williamson drive this was 2018 so he was more of a, a mixtape guy at that point but i just i just wanted to i just wanted to properly credit and shout out the 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 analogy from carloff that's that's good work there
0: i, I need was, more we I need more a of fan. this i mean i want to know how far this you know i mean he's traveled a lot in his career right he's got to know a lot of stuff i mean i feel like ricardo would be fun to play he tickets flies a plane. Yeah, he, it'd be fun to play Ticket to Ride with that man. You know, he knows his <laughs> trains. He knows his his ways to crisscross America on the rails. I like that.
1: I'm a fan. I'm a fan. This is why we need high-speed rail, uh, national, nationwide. Let's do it. So that we can have more analogies that he can make for players. That way he can do topical ones. So he can talk about, you know, he's not like an Amtrak. He's like an Acela that's going straight from Houston to New Orleans. It's not stopping in Beaumont. That's Never what Zion on. Williamson is. And that way we can save you know the, the the east coast stuff we'll reserve that for julius randall
0: yeah i just keep it want
1: terrible. i just want geographic uh you know congruency here i think that's what we're missing so anyway that's the episode uh, appreciate you guys listening to us ramble and and uh kind of get through a number of topics there uh we'll probably have a uh, some someone on next week uh mike me mike uh, maybe we'll grab a guest or something we haven't even thought that out yet but um we will we always think it out so uh we'll we'll see you guys then uh thanks for listening future for time in the rest.